0: This is the ether podcast and i'm rodrigo and this is ryan today we are talking about uh the prophets and more specifically we are demystifying the prophets ryan and uh, the reason why i say that is because there's a lot of mystery that generally surrounds uh the prophets and uh a lot of it has to do with what we think a prophet is but actually, what we think the prophets are many times actually harm our reading of the prophets. And I think, in order to read it as uh, the prophets intended it, and certainly as the people that recorded those prophecies intended it, you sort of have to take some of the mystery out of the prophets. And so that's what we're talking about today. Uh, if we are bursting anybody's bubble, we apologize. We're actually doing this because, believe it or not, sort of taking the mystery out of the prophets uh, makes the reading of the prophets, A, I think a lot more meaningful, and B, a lot deeper, and C, I think more than anything, it helps you understand God more.
1: Yeah. There's so much confusion, I think, around the prophets. And even still... When I think about prophets, I think about these guys that would predict the future. I would think about guys who um, did really weird things like lay in the middle of the town square and wrap themselves up with belts to symbolize things. Um, they'd wear certain kinds of clothing to make a point. Things that I have a hard time putting into modern day circumstances and imagining somebody doing that nowadays, it's just hard to, to kind of put them into our modern context.
0: Right. And I think, you know, those things that you mentioned certainly are the things uh, that stick to our minds. And, you know, there are um, some prophets that are sort of uh, epic in nature, if you will, like Ezekiel comes to mind, certainly uh, the uh, vision of the Valley of the Bones is pretty uh, Hollywood movie worthy. Yeah. Uh, some of Daniel's prophecies make for great, uh, great reading and sort of the, the position that he's in and being with the King and, and that's all of that stuff. It's, it's super, it's a good read. It's interesting. It's exciting. But one of the things that I think if you really look at who the prophets were, they're actually kind of boring, Ryan. <laughs> okay. Because okay. – and I do want to, again, reiterate. Demystify this for me. Yes. There, there are some <laughs> epic passages and some weird things that happen with the prophets. However, the majority of them and the majority of what they say is – Pretty, like, everyday common stuff. And one of the things that I think we need to realize when it comes to the prophets is the prophets didn't come to uh, invent anything. They're not... They're just alluding to the law and to what uh, Israel is supposed to do. They don't come to clarify any false teaching, per se. Uh, you know, one of the things... That they do do is they address Israel's, and you're going to learn a new word today, our dear uh, Ether podcast audience. They address their orthoproxy which, as opposed to orthodoxy, orthodoxy is uh, proper beliefs. Orthopraxy is proper ethics in living and in religious practices. And most of what the prophets come to address has to do with how Israel lived. Uh, you know, some of the things that come to mind is when Isaiah says, like, hey, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Or um, and there's a passage in Ezekiel that I love in which uh, God tells Ezekiel, like, listen, these people are going to listen to you, right? They're going to listen to you eagerly, but they're not going to do anything that you say. Mm-hmm. and he goes as far as saying like your voice to them is like the sweet song of a poet or something like that, I'm paraphrasing but God basically makes a point of like hey, these people are going to listen to you mm-hmm. but they're not going to do what you ask them to do and by and large what the prophets came to address the majority of it is pretty boring like they come and they go like, hey, you haven't been doing what you're supposed to do and something bad is going to happen, which leads me to the other part of of, of the prophets that I think is super important to understand and that also uh, takes the mystery out of them because we tend to think of prophets in terms of like they come to tell the future. Mm-hmm. But actually, again, the majority of what they come to say – should have been a very natural conclusion of how Israel was living. Yeah. What I mean by that is that almost everything the prophets say has to do with the covenants that God made with Israel. Right. And just to put it very simply, the covenant of the law, which basically God says like, hey, if you do what I tell you to do, I'm going to bless you, and if you don't, I'm going to curse you, one of the curses being that you're going to lose your land. And so even when Isaiah and Jeremiah and the other prophets come and go like, hey, Israel, you're about to be punished. This should come like this consequence is not something that like is not original content. You know what I mean? Like shouldn't have surprised they're not putting surprised anything mysterious or crazy. Yeah. They're just saying like, hey, God has told you before. That if you live this way, you're gonna lose your land, and I'm just here to tell you, your time is coming.
1: Yeah, yeah, shouldn't have surprised anybody. Yeah, the uh, the mental picture I have of the prophets is of like like a fountain, and so the the Hebrew word for prophets is nevi'im, which means to 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 bubble forth or to to speak out, where everything that they're saying is not. Of their own creation it's not of their own design it's not of their own invention but it's everything that God wanted them to say I want you to say this to my people I want you to communicate this message to them I want you to bring out this reminder and so it you're right it all ties back to the the law the original commandments that God gave them and hold up um, the proverbial mirror to the people and say, look at what you are doing. Look what God has told you. Look what you are doing. The, the, the orthopraxy that you have and compare it to what God has already called you to do. And I think if people were able to, to sit back and reflect themselves, you're right. It's, it's probably a very natural conclusion that many of them would have come to themselves. Um, I think that they do live that, that they still maintain in our minds that bigger than, than larger than life kind of personality as you think about some of these guys and some of the outlandish things that they did. But the message would have come from the law that they'd already heard for years and years and years.
0: Right. And I don't uh, I don't want to make it seem like I'm making the profits to out to not be a big deal because they are. I think one of the things that we need to realize is they're, they're a big deal in a different way than we usually assign to them. Okay. Because I think the other thing, and I think – and again – and we've talked about this before in other podcasts and all throughout this series on how to study the Bible. Uh, the Bible wasn't written for us today as we sit here uh, talking into microphones. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't written for us. It was written for other people uh, at a particular point in time and for a particular occasion. And that is extremely true for the prophets because most of the time – they address a future that is near. And obviously, there's exceptions to that, and uh, towards the end, I want to read a very beautiful exception to that. But by and large, a lot of what the prophets address are things that are going to happen soon. Many times within like one or two generations of who they're talking to, Mm -hmm. many times in those people's lifetimes, but by and large the prophets come to address something that is happening soon and that makes more sense than to think that um uh, everything they're talking about is in the future like i was watching i don't know how i stumbled upon <laughs> this oh it was on youtube but there of was a guy promoting a book <laughs> There was this guy promoting a book about how uh, the prophets in the Old Testament sort of predicted uh, the era that begins with Bill Clinton and sort of is bookended by where we are now. And he was talking about like all these archetypes and all this stuff. And I'm like, I mean, I understand sort of where you're coming from, but. None of the, the biblical authors knew who Donald Trump was or who Barack Obama was. Like they, and, and the people who they were talking to, they didn't care. Like They had no idea. They probably didn't think that would be like this far into the future. You know what I mean? And, and so, although I, I do – if you want to sort of draw those parallels, you're, you're free to. But that's not what prophecies are for, mostly – They are to address something that's going to happen soon, something that is is happening sometimes, uh, and sort of explaining to people what it is that God is doing in the present. Mm -hmm. And the perfect example of – to me, one of the perfect examples of what we're talking about, Ryan, is uh, Isaiah 40 through 55. Because see, here's the thing. Uh, Isaiah is a really long book. It has sixty-five chapters, but this chunk of passage from chapters forty to fifty-five uh, seems to have been written about a hundred and fifty years after Isaiah uh, died. Because what is happening in in chapters forty through fifty-five is uh, Israel is exiled. They've been exiled, right? And what chapters 40 to 55 address is that the Babylonians were basically conquered by the Assyrians, Assyrians, right?
1: The Babylonians conquered the Assyrians, then the Persians conquered the Babylonians. Persians,
0: correct, and then the Persians conquered the Babylonians. Sorry, I always get those mixed up. But when the Persians conquered the Babylonians, the Israelites are freaking out. Because they're like, what is happening? Like we were already conquered and now the people that conquered us are being conquered. And we know that at some point, God said that we're supposed to go back to our land. And Isaiah 40 through 55 is basically addressing that time period, which again is 150 years after Isaiah's supposed death. Right. And so two things that I think are are mind blowing. One. For uh, all the talk, and, I'm not, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but when we talk about defending Scripture, we sort of defend the fact that it's never been changed. But uh, the Jews themselves, at some point, some guy other than Isaiah decided to, or God decided to use some other guy other than Isaiah to sort of prophesy to what people after Isaiah and somehow that got included in the book of Isaiah. Like, think about that. Right. And on the one hand, you could go like, oh, no, uh, you know, it was probably still Isaiah and he was just talking about the future. But why? Like in those passages, right? He addresses King Cyrus by name. Like he calls him Cyrus right and if as, if if that would have been written by Isaiah a hundred and fifty years before it happens, people don't know who Cyrus is per- the Persians didn't even exist as an empire a hundred and fifty years before it happened. so like Isaiah would have been talking about something that no one would have understood, and yet, I think on the flip side, though, think about how encouraging how awesome it is that god would send another prophet to basically uh do isaiah b if you will and address something that was a huge event like that that babylon fell was a huge deal uh-huh. right but one of the things that god says in those passages like hey this guy cyrus he is my tool to bring you back to your land. So don't worry. I got you. Like I got you covered. Like this is me doing my work. Like be at peace because this is, this is what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. And again, I think that goes to speak as to sort of the, uh, less mystical and yet in many ways, a lot more encouraging aspect of the prophet. Mm You know what I mean? Because if you're in that situation, you want to hear from God. like You want to know what it is that God is doing, and God provides somebody to come and tell them, like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Yeah,
1: Isaiah is such a cool book. Um, I've heard theories that Isaiah actually is comprised up of the works of up to three people, that it's not even right. two Isaiahs, but it's actually three Isaiahs. Um, I personally don't have a problem with that. Um, but um, I'm also not smart enough to understand how you can delineate between uh, two, much less three. And so, but um, I do think that as you look kind of at the, the flow of the book itself, that you've got the first half of the book, one through 40, kind of looking forward and towards. The inevitable consequence of Israel's sin. The the inevitable loss of land, loss of life, loss of sovereignty, loss of independence and subjugation and oppression and imprisonment at the hand of Babylon. And Isaiah is looking at it and going, this is – there's no way this is not going to happen. If you continue on this path, this is going to happen, Right. which is very much in keeping with what God has, has been telling them all throughout the Bible of saying, if you, if you do not hold to what I am telling you, what I am teaching you, the way that I am teaching you to live, I am going to push you out of the land that I gave you. I mean it's so reminiscent of the, the story in Genesis 3. Of God saying, I've got expectations for how you are to live in this amazing place I've created for you. And when you decide that you are going to take over and you are going to make decisions for yourself and you're going to put yourself in the place of me, God, and decide what's right and wrong for you, you can't be in, in the garden anymore. So you need to get out. And we see the same thing happen again and again. And here we've got the promised land and I want to bring you to this amazing place flowing with milk and honey. Same type of imagery that they use to describe a beautiful garden. Right. God brings them into the back into the garden, essentially. And once again they decide, we're gonna live for ourselves, we're gonna determine and decide what is right and wrong for ourselves, God says, no, you cannot be here then, and pushes them out. And So Isaiah is looking at this and going, y'all, how can this not be the inevitable conclusion of your choices? Then, once they are pushed out and they're in this situation, starting in Isaiah 40 or 41, you start getting this shift of all of a sudden there's much more of this, all right, this has happened, now, how do we move forward? And you get this change in tone of peace and live here. Let my peace, let my um, my desire for healing, my hope for um, renewal be amongst you, amongst the people that you are living among. Um, and you see that message going out from – several of the, the prophets including Isaiah and Jeremiah of stay where you're at take right. up residence live there let my peace dwell among you but we're also going to look forward to this next stage as well and all of that is keeping with the original message of I've got a plan to, to bring you back to the garden to restore what I created in the beginning and it's not to, to leave you scattered in the wind. It's not to leave you out by yourself. It's not to punish you continually. I have a desire for you to be with me, and I want to bring you back. Um, and this is what you're in now is an inevitable consequence of your decision to leave me. Now I want to bring you back. Um, and it's, there are those mystical passages that are a little confusing if you're not tied into some of the historical context of the day. And even right. uh, can really throw you off as you start thinking, oh, this must be about the future. This must be about something crazy. And I think that there are those, those uh, prophecies that are looking far out into the future. You've got the messianic prophecies about Jesus who isn't going to come for another 800 years. And so that's not the the immediate context of the people. That's out in the future. But most of the stuff is, hey, you're going to be here for 70 years. That means that some of you who are hearing this are still going to be alive when you get the chance to go back home. Um, right. So you've got sort of a, a co-mingling of messages, of an immediate message and messages for for further down the road.
0: Right. And actually you're bringing something up that I think is, uh, because I think we're talking about sort of demystifying the prophets, right? And then that leaves you in a place of like, okay, so if the prophets aren't to talk about this future and to be mysterious and awesome, then what are we to learn from the prophets like in general? And I think you touched on it and we mentioned it before. Um, you know, one of the things that it's a play with the prophets is God's covenant with Israel and the law, which we already mentioned. But the other one is exactly what you said that one of the promises that God makes to Israel is that they're going He's going to give them a land. And so what's at play with the prophets are both those covenants, that on the one hand, God is cursing them because they've been disobedient, but on the other hand, even though they've been disobedient and even though they are he's cursing them, right, he's also working to bring them back. Mm-hmm. And that points to uh, so much good that is in God, right? Because, again, I think a lot of times we read the Bible— And we lose sight of the fact that ultimately, the Bible is supposed to teach us about God. Right. Right? Right? And one of the, I think one of the most um, difficult things when reading the Bible is to sort of keep the big picture in mind. And the big picture of the Bible is God. Like the Bible is telling us in an overall sense who God is. And the prophets, again, when you look at them in, dare I say, in their boringness, right? They they actually point to like awesome aspects of who God is about His faithfulness and His love and how uh, He really works towards blessing us in spite of. Uh, the way that we treat them, and and you know, I don't want to repeat everything that you said because you you nailed it on the head. Like God, uh, this whole time is working to give his people their land back, and um, you know, it's interesting because I think the 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 one part that we can really find encouraging about the prophets in in uh, in an oracle sense, if you will. Is the stuff uh, that the prophets rarely uh, talk about that hasn't come true even in our time. And I I wanted to bring up this example because it's a perfect example of what we're talking about in um, – sorry, Isaiah 54. Listen to this, Ryan Novak. Bring it on. This is basically God saying what we just talked about, right, that he's going to bring him – that he's going to bring them back. But listen about how he talks about this, all right? It says, uh, all right, I'm not gonna, I could read the whole thing, but I'm, I'm going to refrain. Uh, and again, this is a little segment in our podcast that we like to call reading. Uh, this is Isaiah 54, verse 8. It says, In a surge of anger, I hid my face from, your, from, uh, from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness... I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, Who has compassion on you? Affected city, lashed by storms, and not conformed, I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundation with lapis lazuli, which is a precious stone. I will make your battlements of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and your walls of precious stones. All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. In righteousness you will be established. Tyranny will be far from you, you will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed, it will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing, whoever attacks you will surrender to you. See, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work, and it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. No weapon force against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue to, that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is a vindication for me, declares the Lord. And see, this is this is what's awesome about this. Because if you know the history of Israel, after this, uh, Israel actually falls again. Rome comes and destroys them. So you're sort of left wondering, hey, God is talking about how he's going to rebuild the city and is never going to fall and no enemy will ever be able to overtake it or whatever. So if Jerusalem fell again, what on earth is this, mm-hmm. right? And so sort of, and obviously there's always disagreement among scholars, but Consensus. Well, most scholars believe and take this passage to be talking about God's kingdom, like the kingdom that came when Jesus came and that is here, but it's also coming. Like this is talking about heaven, basically. Right. right. And when like God talks about like a kingdom that will never fail, like that's what he's talking about. Like, yes, he is talking about Israel But not necessarily the physical Israel here on earth, but the renewed new Israel that is going to come. Yeah. And so where I do think uh, we ought to be looking for sort of like these passages that talk about a future that's not fulfilled and sort of the most, the more oracly mysterious passages and stuff like this. But even when you understand it in the context of when, but see this is this is what I'm getting at right and I think when you understand sort of the present that the prophets were talking about, when it talks about this kind of future, right, I think it's double encouraging
1: yeah, absolutely yeah.
0: because basically part of what's happened is like the city of Jerusalem fell, the people were exiled. That was rebuilt and that was awesome and it was celebrated in a way that was like if you read Nehemiah and Ezra, like when they rebuild the city, it's a huge deal when people are rejoicing and they're renewed and Israel is something again, right?
1: Yeah, but at the same time, the older generation, it says, cried when they saw the, how it wasn't the same as the original beauty.
0: Right, and but see, but that's what I'm getting at, Ryan. Even though like I jumped the
1: gun, there you go.
0: (laughs) Yes, no, but that's what I'm saying. Like I think when you understand that history, right? When you understand like the stuff that isn't mysterious and the stuff that isn't like mystical, the stuff that kind of is is magnified, and the encouragement that you're supposed to get from it, I think, is greater because you understand sort of the history and the there and now of the audience. So when stuff like this comes up, man, you're like, man, like, God is awesome. Yeah. Like, especially in the context of Christianity, like, everything that God described here is what we're waiting for. Yeah. And to think that, like, thousands of years ago, somebody was talking about it. It's kind of like, man, that is, like, super cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely gives me a, a, a picture of what heaven is going to be like. And I think that's important. To me heaven is one of those topics that I love talking about because I feel like it's one of those often neglected topics because yep. the passages in the Bible are few and far between, and they're a little bit, they they seem a bit fantastic, um, meaning like fantasy. Um, and so people tend to stay away from them. But I think that right. passages like this, just remind me of how amazing it's going to be Um, and it excites me and I think that that's the purpose of that scripture that it's two things one is that to read a prophecy most of the time the most obvious answer is the right answer that thinking like oh let's try and come up with some crazy Hair brained connection, probably not what the prophecy is alluding to. It's probably much more um, obvious than that. But I think also, as we talked about before, with this shift in Isaiah, of now in the second half of Isaiah, you get this message of peace and of hope. What is more hopeful than providing somebody? something in the future to look forward to something to get excited about something to yearn for and say the next epic epoch or whatever that word is the next age is going to be so much greater than this one and I can I can get through this current age this current trouble because I know that the next one is going to be fantastic It's been promised to me that it's going to be amazing, and I need something, some sort of mental image to hang that hope on, and a passage like this does that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That is true. So, as we're wrapping this up, Brian, uh, I just want to sort of touch on a couple of things. That I think we've said to summarize this neatly right so when you're reading the prophets right uh i think we ought to read it with a more down-to-earth perspective and again i think that sort of like because i've had this conversation with people before and a lot of times they seem very deflated by what i'm saying right but let me liken it to this and this is how i want to close right Uh, And I want to talk about my mom, which comes up often. She does. In this uh, here
1: podcast. She does.
0: So, and before I say anything, let me preface this by saying that I love my mom. My (laughs) mom's a great woman. I think that this preface and warning
1: comes with with every mention of your mom as well. Yes.
0: My mom is also a very fiery person. So most of my upbringing, uh, there was a lot of yelling, Mm. right? And, uh... And on the one hand, it taught me to respect my mom because we wanted to avoid the yelling. But on the other hand, with time, right, uh, the yelling uh, lost its effect that because everything was a big deal, right, then eventually nothing's a big deal. Right. Right. And so I say that to basically say this. If all the prophets talk about is a future that hasn't been fulfilled yet, then it's almost like what read them for. What would you like? What encouragement are you to necessarily draw from them? What uh, what insight if it's talking about something that never applies to us, if if it's talking about something that we that we can't really understand or if it's talking about uh, if If you're an Israelite thousands of years ago and there's this prophet talking to you and if he's talking about something that doesn't make any sense, like, why would you ever hear him, right? Right. Now, all that being said and all the things about the covenants that we brought up and and sort of like what the prophets are really there for and orthopraxy and all that stuff, again, I think when you understand all of those things, when you approach – the prophets with more of a down-to-earth perspective, when there is something that is amazing, when there is something that is talking about a future not yet realized, when there is something that's talking about heaven, I think it's so much better. It deepens our understanding of God's promises and His faithfulness and His love for us. And even like how the scripture that I read said, It's like, hey, he can be angry for us for a while, but what we get is his everlasting compassion. Like, how awesome is that? Uh You know what I mean? And I think, if anything, what I wanted to do with this podcast is, again, demystify the prophets, but for the sake of really deepening our understanding of what they really came for, which is to uh, correct – And try to have people correct the way that they they lived and at the same time talk about a comfort that many of them were were not going to experience but yet that God out of his compassion, not because they deserved it, right? But out of his compassion, he was going to make happen. And in the end, that's the gospel. Uh So, unless you have anything to add, Ryan Novak, with that thought, we will close this podcast uh, we want to thank you for listening, and uh, hopefully you really enjoy this. Uh, we, I have really enjoyed doing this whole uh, uh, How to Study the Bible series, and hopefully you have too. If you want to get in touch with us for any questions or feedback, uh, you can do so through social media at EtherMMC on Instagram and Facebook, and also you can find us on YouTube. And uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.